0: get up here at the right time okay all right want to make sure I was here right every place has its way of doing things Now I forget where I'm at sometime hey it's really good to be back here I I really uh just appreciate y'all uh, uh having me come over here and and uh, if y'all could just uh, run Doug off more often I'll come over a little more often and uh, glad they made it back safely uh if you're visiting here I'm ready as you figured out I'm not the normal preacher here, but uh, y'all's preacher isn't real normal in the first place, so I guess that kind of, I'm kind of abnormal too, so, you know, I, I was thinking about it and I thought, you know, after, after we finish this, uh, this uh, lesson today, you might be like one of the churches I heard about. Now, you know, here, here at Taylor Street, we have elders that, that uh, lead the flock and everything. A lot of churches, they'll have what they call a board, the church board. And one day uh, uh, a guy got up and he said, there's going to be a meeting of the church board right after services today. And so at the close of service, the, the church board gathered back in the back of, of the church building there. And, and, but there was a stranger that just showed up in their midst. And, and uh, finally one of the guys said, "Hey, my friend, he said, uh, um, I don't know if you understand, but this is, this is a meeting of the board and he said, yes. He said, after today's sermon, I'm one of the most bored people I've ever heard. Of. So I thought that's what it's here for. So, uh, Oh, I want, to do, I want to talk about some things today. Uh, it's just kind of been on my heart and some areas we've been looking at. I know last week, we, if you happened to, yeah, Super Bowl was last week, wasn't it? You know, for all of us. Red Raider Patrick Mahone fans, we had a great time watching that, you know, and it was a, a great distraction seeing the, uh, from a lot of things that go in our lives. We just got a chance to kind of watch, and especially if your team happens to win, it's always, it's always better. But I've been noticing some things as I start getting a little older. I've noticed that, you know, if you live long enough, you're going to start to realize that everybody has some difficulty in their lives. We all have to deal with things, and and sometimes it gets really hard because we we're living in a cursed world, and sometimes it gets on us, and it may it may be because of our own doings, and sometimes it may be just because of others or the fact that we live in this cursed planet. I, I mean. Uh, uh, we see bad things happen to people, some that we love, some people we don't even know, but we read about. You know, you read about uh, Tom Brady is considered the GOAT, the greatest of all time, and yet uh, he's finished a second marriage, I guess, I'm not sure how many, and I, I think, you know, and he doesn't get to see his kids much, and I think, as you may be the greatest of all time, yet he has to go through hard times. We see, you've been reading in the paper of the... Uh, horrible earthquakes over in turkey and syria just the suffering that goes on there and great human suffering but and and that's all a long ways off but you you bring it home and things don't always go well it might be just it, it might be an elementary child who's just not very good at sports and he wants so much or she wants so much to be able to play and they get out there and they play and and one of their peers said you are the worst athlete i've ever seen in my life and that hurts. That hurts if you're a kid. Or, or maybe a child where school is just hard. Maybe you were one of those students where it was just hard, and you work hard, and you're diligent, and it just seems like all the other kids make better grades, and school's just tough. Or, or that teenager who just can't buy a date. And you know, there some of us that way. We called it, when I was in high school, we called ourselves the Apostle Paul Club because none of us could ever get a date. So we all just went out hunting on Friday nights or whatever. Uh, but you know, and, and it seems like all the other friends are out. They they get to go out and do things and, they, they, and you get to sit at home alone. Or maybe maybe it's family issues. Maybe there's strife in the family. Or maybe a spouse dies or child gets sick layoffs happen that affect families and and then add all that just our own personal sin that we have to deal with at times in our lives and, and we struggle with it maybe it's something we just wish we didn't struggle with it and it seems like it keeps popping up and and or maybe even we've had to deal with the devastation of our own sin and how it's affected us now how about that what do we need I'll tell you what we need. We need a big dose of good news. And that's what Jesus is all about. Now I'll tell you, this lesson today is not for all of you who just got it all together. So I think that pretty well means it good. This thing will be for all of us because none of us here have it all together. Uh, This lesson is for you and it's for me. I learned a long time ago if I'd preach to myself that maybe somebody else could get something out of it. Lord knows something. He knows that we don't have it all together. This lesson is for those of us who might be just running on empty. And it feels like sometimes that, that Christianity is we're running up a we're running up an escalator that's headed downstairs, and we're just having to fight it all the way. Or maybe, maybe for those of us who think how could I have messed up like that again? Everybody been there? We know that, don't we? Or maybe for those of us, we know that God loves us. We know that Jesus has forgiven us. But deep down, deep down we feel like when God looks down and He sees us, He just sighs and He's a little put out with us because of, the failures that we have in our life or it could be it could be that maybe there's just pain going on in your life it may be physical or it might be emotional or spiritual but the pain is so bad you just can't think straight so in other words this lesson is for normal Christians because that's who we are we've all been through this and we most likely are probably going through something of these things I've even mentioned here. So hear the words of Jesus. Matthew chapter eleven, twenty-eight through thirty. Come to me all who are who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light now folks this right here is good news what you see up there it's not just good news this is this is great news now we've heard this all our lives i think if if you've gone to church you've heard this before And if this is your first time here, you've never heard this, let me tell you, this is some of the best news we can find in the Bible. But what I want us to do, even though we've heard this all our lives, let's digest this and really look at what's going on here. A while back, I was visiting with a a dear friend of mine. He's a retired minister in his mid-80s, probably one of the kindest most spiritual men I've ever met in my life. And he's the type of guy, even in his mid-80s, he'll get up to speak, and all ages just flock to him, from young to old, and they want to visit with him and talk to him about their life and about Jesus. He's just got that type of personality about him. And he pointed me in a direction that has blessed me greatly. And he said at that time, he said, I wish... He said, I wish I had learned this 50 years ago. And that's one reason he pointed to me. And I'll be honest, I wish I had learned this a long time ago. I don't take credit for a lot of this, but hopefully we can learn something today. Okay, quick Bible lesson. How many Gospels are there? Four, that's right. There's four of them. What are they? We got them all down. All right, now the quick trick, trick question. How many chapters all total? Eighty-nine, okay, you don't have to go count them there right quick. There's 89 chapters there in the Gospels. But there is only one place, one place where Jesus says, here is my heart. All the rest of the Gospels are talking about the things He did and things we learn about Him. But one place he mentions, here is my heart. And these verses we just read says, I am gentle and lowly in heart. Now we can study the Gospels, and we can learn all kinds of things about Jesus, and we need to do that. But all those things we learn about Jesus originates from one thing, and that's His heart. I mean, you think about all things that Jesus did. He raised a little girl from the dead. I mean, the leper, when nobody else had anything to do with him, he touches him. Uh, he cast demons from people. He healed all kinds of sick, even the very words he spoke. Uh, in fact, what what did Jesus say about what comes out of our mouth? Do you remember that? He said it originates from a heart, did not it? Look at that in, in Matthew 15, 18. Look what it says there. But the things that come from the mouth, come out of the mouth, come from where? Right in here. It's the heart. And so when Jesus talks about his heart, here's what he said. Look at it again. Come to me. All you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. So, like I said, we've seen this, and we're going to keep talking about it all morning here. But we've seen it all our lives. What does this mean? What does it mean for you and and me today? Is this something we just go uh, make a nice little plaque and put it on the wall and? Everybody thinks that's real nice, those are real nice words. What's it, what's going on in your life now? What does this mean for us? I think it's interesting here of how this all kind of, uh, this paragraph starts out. And I know that you haven't had time to kind of look ahead of time to know what we're going to be talking about there, but you know, verse verse 25, the Bible's open there in, in, uh, in in Matthew chapter 11 there if you go to verse 25 notice there's a prayer that starts there in verse 25 at that time Jesus declared I thank you Father Lord of heaven and earth he says that you have hidden these things from the wise and the understanding and you have revealed them to the little child or two little children now why did he say verse 25, this is, you know, this is just before he tells, come unto me all you labor and heavy laden. Why does he say, why does he pray this? What's he saying? Well, if you look there, if you see there in your Bible in, in the previous verses, in, in especially back in, in 20 and stuff, this is where Jesus is saying, woe unto you. I mean, he's been in those cities. He's been to uh, Chorazin and and Bethsaida and Capernaum, and these people wouldn't repent. And this is where Jesus says, Woe unto you. He's not talking about woe as a horse. He's saying, W-O-E, woe unto you, because you did not listen. You would not repent. So Jesus is being strong there. Now, who were these people he was saying all these woes to? These were people of God. And, and, And these people had the Old Testament. And I get the idea that they could all sit around and they could be impressed with the intricate details of the Old Testament and they could all say, ooh, wow, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah, looky there. Hmm, I hadn't thought about this. And they missed what the Messiah was all about. And Jesus says in that prayer, He says, you know, those those wise and, and understanding people, They've missed the boat. He's saying all you normal people out here, you and me, he says, those of you who are just trying to get by, the ones who life has thrown you some curveballs, and you get discouraged, or maybe you're sick, or maybe you're just sick and tired of being sick and tired, or, or You might be one of those that's wondering, why is God letting this happen to me or to my family or to these good friends of mine? Haven't they had enough? God, what's going on here? And Jesus says, let me tell you, you know those those smart folks out there? Let them go. He says, you come to me. All of you who are weary and burdened and heavy laden, weighed down, and tired. Come to me. He says, Let me tell you who I really am, what's in my heart. He says, I am gentle and lowly in heart, and I will give you rest for your souls. And what Jesus is doing here, he's saying, This is what makes me tick. This is my heart. My heart is gentle and holy, and that biblical word for heart is talking about what it is that drives you. That uh, it's not some emotional appeal out there that he's making there. He says the heart is what makes you what you are and who you are. Have you ever said this or maybe known someone said, "Well, you know, I just couldn't. My heart wasn't into it." What does it mean? It's just you. you, That's not who you are. Your heart's not in it. There, Jesus says. Here's where my heart is, gentle and lowly. In fact, remember what Jesus said about the treasures in in our heart in Matthew 6, 21. He says, For your where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What's he telling us there? He's saying, What is important in your life is what you treasure. And what you treasure is where you're going to put your heart. And Jesus says, let me tell you what I treasure. Gentle and lowly. That's my heart. Okay, so we go. All right, so what? I mean, yeah, Jesus is gentle and lowly. I've heard that all my life. So so, so what? Now, right off the bat, and this is a free little mini-sermon right quick. Has not a regular sermon here today. But I think right off the bat, i will to just throw this in here for free. If you happen to be a person who's known as gruff, kind of hard-nosed, sometimes can be a little hard to get along with, you need to look real close at the heart of Jesus. And then you need to look at yours. Now that's a whole different lesson, okay? I just won't throw that in there for free. So as we talk about this whole idea of meek, lowly, gentle, that, that the original word there, it, it means when it says Jesus is gentle, the original word means that, I guess basically you can say, Jesus is not trigger-happy. Uh, if, if you've got a small child that is afraid of a horse and wants to ride a horse, what kind of horse do you put them on? A gentle horse, Why? because that horse isn't going to throw them. That horse is not going to get spooked and all of a sudden get, get wild. That's a gentle horse. Jesus says, my heart is gentle. It means he's not harsh. It means that Jesus isn't easily frustrated with us. How do we deal with people sometimes? We get pretty frustrated, and then we, want to think, we think Jesus the same way. Jesus says, look, no, I'm not easily frustrated with you. I'm gentle. Jesus is the most understanding person in the whole universe. If anybody knows where you've been, if anybody knows how you're hurting, if anybody can have compassion, it is Jesus. In other words, Jesus' normal posture is not, did you do that again? It's not, I've told you, and I've told you, and look, you messed up again. That's not his posture. What does he say? His posture is, come. Come here. Let me hold you. Let me take those hurts away. I I, I think a lot of times... And I know this is, I'm, I'm talking to myself. We, we, we view Jesus either like we were raised or like we are ourselves. You know, a little child's running around driving his bicycle too fast and crashes and burns and, you, and, and people go, I told you not to ride that thing too fast. Now look what happened to you, see? Now you skit yourself up and, and you start chewing on them for riding that bike too fast after you told them not to. How's Jesus? Jesus says, my heart is gentle. Let me hold you. Let's make that hurt go away. That's gentle. He says he's lowly. And and that's usually the word that's translated humble throughout the the rest of the Bible, or it meant kind of humble circumstances or of low esteem. And what does that mean? Jesus says, "I'm, I'm gentle and I'm lowly, of low esteem. This is telling me something about Jesus. In other words, Jesus is not that real high and mighty important person that you're afraid to go talk to. I don't know if there's ever been a time in your life you need to talk to someone, but you're afraid just because of, of their position in life or whatever, and you're, you're nervous about going to them. Jesus says, nope, that's not me. He's that guy that everybody feels comfortable talking to. In other words, Jesus is approachable. So, what's the heart of Jesus? He's accessible. You get to him, he's approachable. You can talk to him about anything, and you don't have to worry about him pointing his finger at you. Now, just think about this as you read through those four Gospels. What kind of people were attracted to Jesus? Think about it. Who showed up? Yeah, it was it was the down and out. It was the real sinners. It was those people that nobody else wanted to have anything to do with. It might be because of the disease they had. It may be because of their sin in their life. I don't want to hang around them or choices they've made. It was people who were on the outside, and guess who was comfortable coming to Jesus. These people. How in the world could such people approach the truth, the creator of all the universe? And Jesus says, come. Come here. Now, I don't want you to think Jesus is a pushover. I think you know that. But I I mean, just look at those previous verses when he's talking to those cities. He's saying, woe unto you. And so, for the impenitent, Jesus is not somebody you want to mess with. But for you and me. I mean, you wouldn't be here today if you didn't have a penitent heart. For you and me. And maybe there's times we're broken over either just the hardships of life or the result of our sin. Whatever it may be. We just come to Jesus and, I messed up again. Or this is hard, Lord. Look what's going on. And Jesus opens his arms and he says, I will give you rest. Now, it's not like Jesus just does that every once in a while. And every once in a while he'll kind of be that way. No, this is this is who he is. That's his heart. And when Jesus goes on to say, when he says, My yoke is easy, and my burden is light. I I think that's a pretty interesting term there, that word easy. What's it mean? Uh, In other places in the Bible, the word easy is translated kind. In other words, you remember the verse, well, a lot of us know Ephesians 4.32, where Paul tells us, he says, be kind and compassionate to one another. This is exactly the same word when Jesus says, my yoke is easy. My, my yoke is kind. Uh, and what is a yoke? Now, we're not talking egg wow, yolk, Y-O-L-K. We're talking Y-O-K-E, yoke. What is that? It's, it's a big old piece of lumber that, that you put on the oxen. Most of the times what they'd do, and he'd bind them together to get them to work together. But it was a heavy piece of lumber there to, to help them pull the load. And Jesus says, ah, come here, come here. He says, let me help you. He says, my my yoke is kind. It's easy. He says, my burden is light. And we don't always see Jesus this way. Uh, There's, again, I'm talking to myself here, but there's a tendency for me to view Jesus like I view people. In other words, I told you not to do that. or or we see the quote with well, the the pretty people out there, and we and and we see how they look at those who are kind of beneath them and, and 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 we think, you know, Jesus is so powerful, and he's so magnificent. He wouldn't want to have anything to do with me. Look how many times I've messed up. And a person that's so holy is not want to go to hang, hang around someone that will do what I have done, or want to hang around somebody that's done what I've done. Now, a lot of times our hurts, a lot of times our hurts are because of our own doing. Uh, sometimes, though, it's because of other people's sins. I know that some of you probably have, maybe you grew up in a family where things happened to you that should never have ever happened to a child. And it's it's. It takes a toll on things we have to deal with. But sometimes we get to think, especially when it's our own fault, well, we know we blew it. It's our natural way of thinking is, you know, I did it again, and I'm sure God is mad at me. Now think about this. If if a small child comes is is Hurt in an accident or maybe comes down with, with a terrible disease. What's your natural inclination when you've got a small child that's got is in pain? You want to hold them, don't you? You're gonna hold them and comfort them. And that's how God views our sin. He doesn't stand back and go, oh man. Kind of like, you know, a kid going to barely touch a snake or a snail. Ooh, yuck. That's not God. He views our sin as a cancer of the soul, and he wants to hold his children. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. He runs towards them. Uh he, he wants to love them. You remember the story of the prodigal son? We know that story. And if you're not familiar with it, it's it's the 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 boy, his dad's obviously got quite a bit of wealth here and Basically the son is thinking I wish you were dead because I want my inheritance. Give me my inheritance. And for whatever reasons the dad goes ahead and gives him the inheritance and we know what happens when that he takes off and he spends it where? On the wild women riots that's living and everything else and finally one day he's run out of money, he's run out of friends and he ends up in a pig pen eating the pig slop. And he gets to thinking one day my dad's Hired hands have it better than me. I've blown it. Maybe he'll take me back as a hired hand. I know I don't deserve to be back as a son, but maybe he'll take me back as a hired hand. And so he comes back home. He's walking down the road, and what does the Bible say? Look at it. But while he, the boy, was still a long way off, the father saw him and pointed his finger and said, what are you doing here? That's not what he said. He was filled with compassion. And look at that. It says he ran to his son and threw his arms around him and he kissed him. Now, this is God. This is our Savior. And God opens his arms and he hugs us and he says, let me wash away all that filth. I'll take care of this. You're my son. You're my daughter. And God sees our sin or may the results of sin of others or whatever. He sees it as, as a cancer in His child. And He runs towards us so He can hold us and love us and heal us. And I know, like I say, I'm preaching to myself here. Because a lot of times I see God as, well, it, he's, he's half judge and half mercy. Or maybe all judge and all mercy. And that's true. God is both but how does God describe His heart? Now sometimes people get thinking, well, Jesus came along and things changed. Old Testament wasn't that way. No, God's always been this way. Even in the giving of the Ten Commandments... When God is, He's giving them to Moses and He talks about, don't you be putting any idols before me? Notice what He says there. He says, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. And we go, oh, yeah, that's, that's who God is. He's telling who he's, he's punishing the children for the sin of the fathers to the third and the fourth generation to those who hate me. And then we see in verse 6, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. Now I'll tell you, here's how I've usually kind of taught this through the years. I'm blaming myself here. We come to it, we go, boy, oh, look at that. You, you see the punishment goes to the third and the fourth generation. And we've seen this, haven't we? We've seen people, families that they get involved in drugs and alcohol and they don't take care of the kids and the kids pay the price. And then they, they grow up with kids and you see the third and the fourth generation because somewhere along the way they didn't take care of business when they're supposed to and Oh, by the way, and then you know, but God loves His people, and we go on from there. But look at this whole thing. look at what God's saying here. He's saying, "For those who love me, I show love to a thousand generations." Thousand. What does He say about judgment in that passage? Three or four generations. You got three or four generations. So God, God, like I said earlier, Jesus, no one to mess with if you're impenitent. But He shows, okay, yes. Three or four generations, but my love is a thousand generations. That's who God is. So if you're going to describe God's heart and you're looking at this passage, how would you describe it? You're going to focus on the punishment, which there can be if a person doesn't love him, but where's where's his heart? to love those to a thousand generations. And and there's that real uh, possibility of saying yeah, but you notice it says for those who keep his commandments and I didn't. I mean, I messed up big time. And Jesus comes along and says neither did the prodigal son keep the commandments. But that's why I came. Because we're going to mess up. We're going to have terrible things happen to us in our lives. And Jesus says, that's why I'm here. And that's why he says in Matthew 11 again, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. And he says again, and you will find rest for your souls. Now, is this good news or what? This is great news here. You see, our natural tendency, and I'm just, how we, we, it's just how we react, is we tend to think sometimes, well, yeah, Jesus will come close to me, but he may, when he comes close to me, he have to hold his nose, because I stink pretty bad. And we kind of think that, yeah, no, that's not how he is. Now, the reason sometimes we'll think that, because there are passages, uh, like over in Philippians chapter 2, notice it says there, uh, describing God rightly, he says, Philippians 2, God exalted him to the highest place. That's, That's Jesus. At the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, in heaven, on earth, and under the earth. Boy, that's true. And and over in Revelation, when it talks about Jesus, His eyes were like a blazing fire. His voice, like the sound of rushing waters. It talks about out of His mouth, it comes that sharp, double-edged sword. and, And that's true. And Jesus says, yep, that's me. That's who, that's me. But let me show you my heart. I am gentle and lowly for those who want to come to me. You know that double-edged sword? It's for those who don't love me. But I know that you love me. And I know that you're tired. And I know that you're worn out. And this very morning, Jesus is saying, come, come. I got an idea that even just this morning that we got quite a few people here who may be tired maybe they're burdened maybe things aren't going well at home and everybody else doesn't know it but we do and you do and maybe there's any number of things you just fill in the blank and they're struggling it could be illness it could be sin it may be depression family struggles you might even be to the point that you're just numb. You just don't have any feelings left. I get it. Are going to sing a song here in a minute? we all right? In a minute, we're going to sing a song. and I, We may do something a little different. Since I'm not the normal preacher here, you know, we just do things a little. But a lot of times we, we call it an invitation song. But um, I think we'll do something different today. This lesson might have touched you. And you really would like someone to pray with you. And we got people all over this auditorium we got elders and deacons and but we got just people just good sweet sisters and everybody that's here. And it might be that you just want someone to pray for you. You can just walk right over to them and say, "Can you pray with me for a minute?" And believe it, it's okay to pray while we're singing, okay? We'll all be singing. And we'll be standing, and you can come over, and you can just, person may pray with you. It may be somebody that you don't know, you just have a lot of respect for them, and you just walk over to them and say, there's something going on in my life, and I need somebody, would you pray with me? We can do that. In fact, if we're praying and we're not finished, just keep singing the songs. Well, unless they pray for 30 minutes, and then I'll have to tell them, if you'd pray more often, you wouldn't have to pray so long. But... Uh, No, in all seriousness, if this has touched your heart and you need someone to pray with you, and if you don't know anybody here, come on, I'll be up here at the front. Come on up here. We'll we'll take some time and we'll just pray while we're singing that song. We're the body of Christ. That's what the church is. And Jesus says, my heart is gentle and lowly. Jesus says, my heart is approachable. My heart is easy. And that's what we want to be. If somebody comes up to you and says, would you pray with me? You put your arms around them. You pray with them. Jesus has come, all who are weary and burdened. Won't you come while we stand and we sing this song today? There's a fountain for you and me. Let us haste, so haste to